and Answers begins right now. The Coming of Christ is an event Christians throughout the ages have looked forward to. One of the events connected with the Coming of Christ is the Rapture of the Church. What is the Rapture? And what will take place when Christ returns for His Church? How do we know the Rapture is taught in Scripture? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with our host, Pat Zucharan. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat began a message entitled, The Rapture of the Church. Today, as we conclude, Pat explains a magnificent future and hope that awaits every believer in Christ. If you've missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. There you will find this message and hundreds more podcasts that you may download or listen online. Now, let's get right to the conclusion. Here's our host, Pat. Uh, remember, there was a guy who used to follow me around the island, and on my car, he would glue paper that talks about my false teaching on the rapture and the return of Christ. Uh, and whatever church I was at, I'd find this thing rubber cemented on my windshield. And uh, I remember speaking in Maui, and I had a rental car. And this got me really mad because I had a rental car. And it was rubber cemented on my rental car. I haven't seen him since. I don't know who he is. Okay? But there's a lot out there teaching that this term rapture is not in the Bible. Well, it is. Okay? It comes from this word caught up. The Greek word there is harpazo. In Latin, it's translated rapturo. And in the English, that's where we get rapture from. So this is where it comes from. Now, the word rapture or harpazo, according to the complete word study dictionary of the New Testament, means to seize upon with force or to rob. Okay? So it denotes an open act of, of violence, okay? a sudden snatching away. It's used to mean to forcibly seize upon, to snatch away, to take to oneself. And it's used about 14 times in the New Testament in this manner. For example, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus was telling a parable and he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. That's the word there, harpazo to take by force, a sudden snatching away. And it is at this moment that believers in Christ will be suddenly taken from this world and transformed to glory before Christ comes in judgment upon the earth. Many argue that the rapture is a recent teaching, one that has occurred within the last century. Well, it's actually found throughout the Bible. There are several times in the Bible where people have been raptured or suddenly taken from earth to heaven. We have Enoch says he walked with God and suddenly he was no more for God took him. Elijah was suddenly taken from this earth in a fiery chariot. We see Jesus in Revelation 12. After the woman gives birth, the dragon seeks to take the child and he's quickly taken away. Philip, after he shares the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch, and he baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch, and suddenly he is raptured and suddenly taken away. We see the two witnesses in Revelation 11. They are killed. Their bodies lie on the streets or hanging in the streets for several days, and then they are resurrected, and then they are raptured or taken up to heaven. Right? So it's a concept there 
throughout the Bible. It's, it, it's nothing new. And Paul says, this day is coming, and it can come at any moment. All right? No other prophecy needs to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. I have a professor, and he had a saying on his desk regarding the rapture, and it said, perhaps today, perhaps today. Therefore, Paul says, encourage one another with these words. So what a glorious and exciting future awaits believers in Christ. I mean, there's no more hope-filled or encouraging words to hear than that Christ is coming. This earth will not continue the way it is. Evil and suffering will not dominate as it does now. The king is coming. He will judge the world and establish his kingdom. Justice and righteousness and truth in the end shall prevail, and it could happen very soon. So this should fill every heart with hope and joy, even in the most difficult of circumstances. You know, during World War II, there were resistance fighters throughout Europe. Many Dutch, Polish, French, even German resistance fighters fought against the Nazi empire. Many died never seeing Germany defeated or their country freed. And what may have been disheartening was that a large population of their countrymen, if not most of their countrymen, chose to align with Hitler, while others chose not to resist and go along with the Nazis who were in control at that time. And many criticized and spoke out against the resistance fighters, saying, you're making it harder on us. The more you fight the Nazis, the more they come down on us. All right, so just quit it. Just cut it out, okay? How discouraging it must have been for them. I can imagine many resistance fighters as they are blowing up railroad tracks or thwarting transportation from coming or giving plans to the allies that they didn't know if these secret messages were getting through. Many would probably ask themselves, you know, is this struggle worth it? Are my small efforts actually making a distance in this great war here? Vastly outnumbered, outgunned uh, by the, the Nazis here. You know, one of the freedom fighters in France, his name there is Marcel Raymond. He's one of 13 who were shot by the firing squad by the Germans. You see on that poster there, they are criminalized. All right, it says, are these liberators? No, they're criminals, okay? And uh, they were executed by a German firing squad. Well, one of the leaders, his name is Marcel Raymond, wrote a letter to his mother. He was only about 18 years old, but he wrote this letter to his mother the night before he was to go before the firing squad. And he said this, Mother, when you read this letter, I'm sure it will cause you extreme pain. But I will have been dead for a while, and you'll be consoled by my brother who will live happily with you and give you all the joy I would like to have given you. Forgive me for not writing at greater length, but we are all so joyful that it's impossible to think of the pain that you must now feel. I can only say one thing, and that's that I love you more than anything in the world, and that I would have liked to live for your sake alone. I love you, I kiss you, but words can't describe what I feel. 
And what brought these freedom fighters joy and inspired them to continue on was that their cause was true. Their cause was right. It was righteous. It was just. And there was hope that one day the Allies would break through and arrive and deliver the country from Nazi oppression. And as Christians, we find ourselves in a similar situation, don't we? Physically, standing against incredible odds, vastly outnumbered, many ridiculed and criticized at work or even in uh, what is supposed to be Christ's church, perhaps sometimes wondering if our lives make some kind of difference here in this great struggle. You know, there are times I get discouraged when I look at where our culture is headed and our great institutions have been overrun by false teaching. You know, just uh, this past week, we saw the great pride flag having the most prominent place at our nation's capital, even more prominent than the American flag. Uh, denominations embracing false ideologies, celebrating sinful lifestyles. It's of great concern when our nation celebrates a lifestyle that the Bible clearly states is immoral. But not only that, it is a medically dangerous lifestyle. But not only that, you're headed for economic disaster. It's sociologically destructive as well. And yet, it has a celebrated position in our nation's capital and in many churches. You know, we're doing our uh, one of our conferences here, and the leader at the church, and we love working with her, what a woman of God. And she was a bit discouraged over what happened the last couple of weeks. I said, what happened? She said, I sent the letter to our denomination saying, we're having this event at our church, put it in the bulletin, bring all the churches in the denomination, bring your youth here. This is going to be a great event. And she said, nothing, nothing went on on the website, nothing. And she kept calling, calling, no answer, no answer, no answer. Finally, someone answered and she said, what's going on? And he said, they said, we do not approve of this speaker and we do not approve of his organization, especially in this month when the entire denomination is celebrating Gay Pride Week. And we are celebrating our gay and transgender pastors and all who live in that lifestyle to have this speaker come. That's something we do not approve of and we will not promote this. Yeah, I was kind of discouraging to see the whole denomination that once brought the gospel here to Hawaii, who established many great private schools here in the sun, who were once missionary schools, training future Christian leaders to see, you know, walk around this island and some of the beautiful, beautiful churches that have been here for over a century where the gospel was once powerfully proclaimed, now empty. I mean, no one attends these churches. And whatever is preached is, is just a false message of liberalism and critical theory and celebrating what the Bible states is clearly a sinful lifestyle. And sometimes I sit back and wonder, why do I even bother? Why engage in the struggle sometimes? You know, why not just become a motivational speaker? You know, everyone will love me. Everybody happy to see me. Why engage and continue to preach the Bible without compromise? Well, we press on 
because there are individuals like Tina and churches who remain faithful to the message of Christ and to the call of Christ, and we do it for them. We do it for churches like Milani Community and others in our denomination that continue to stand fast on God's Word. And we do it because our cause is true. It is right, and it honors the Lord. And we do it because Christ is coming, and victory is at hand. And what we do in this life matters, makes an eternal difference. And when the king comes and establishes his kingdom, and we're on that side of eternity, you'll see the difference and the impact that your life has made. And so our application here is to remain faithful to God, to his word, and to the mission that he has called us to. Now, the rapture Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 15. It's going to happen rather quickly. 1 Corinthians 15, he states, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. So Paul reveals the same truth he unpacked in 1 Thessalonians 4, that the rapture of the church, he says, was a mystery in that it had not been known in the Old Testament. Now it is revealed to us that the dead in Christ will be raised first, then the living will be instantaneously transformed. All right? Those who have died in the Lord, their immaterial essence, soul, spirit, mind, emotions, will, they're in heaven with the Lord now. Their bodies will be raised and transformed to their immortal glorified bodies. Those who remain, who are living, will also be transformed instantaneously at the moment of the rapture. Says the trumpet will sound and the living will exchange this mortal body for their eternal glorified body. And this is going to happen real quickly. Paul says, in the twinkling of an eye, that quick, right? It's like uh, the uh, Mike Tyson, Michael Spinks fight. Mike Tyson knocked him out in a twinkling of an eye. I remember we were at our friend's house and they were introducing the fighters and all the regalia that goes on. And I went to the kitchen with a couple of the guys to get pizza and soda. And when we came back, the fight was over. Having that fast, right? In the blink of an eye, he knocked them out. Hey, we missed the whole thing. So that's how fast it's going to happen. It's like a guy I played tennis against the other day. His serve uh, was so fast. Blink, you miss it. Keep your eyes open. Faster, more uh, powerful than even buddy serve. Tell you. But we won. We beat him. Sent him home crying to mama. You know. That's how quickly it's going to happen. All right? Now, for some of you, the last time that you may have seen your grandmother, grandfather, mother or father, they were lying in a casket. But that's not the end, okay? One day we'll see each other in glory again. This time in their full eternal glorified state. I know some of you may have lost a son or daughter in a miscarriage. They are not just a piece of tissue, all right? They are a person whom God loves, and you'll see once again. We were listening at the uh, Aloha Pregnancy Center to a 
woman share her testimony who lost her child in an abortion, tragic decision that she made that she realizes was perhaps the greatest error that she had ever made. But she talked about her faith in Christ and how she has found healing and hope through the power of Christ. And one of the things that brought hope and healing into her life is that she said, I gave a name to that child I lost, all right? And she said, I prayed to the Lord and I just had the sense that it was to be a boy. And so I gave him a name. I gave him a name. Uh, and that brought healing because it makes the fetus a person. It's not a blob of tissue. He is a person. And it brings hope that I will see him again. And she said, I may not have a child with me in this life, but I am a mother. I am a mother. And I will see him again on that side of eternity. Because God not only has him in heaven now, but one day will resurrect that body to a glorified eternal state. And we shall meet again. And that brings hope. Uh, that brings healing. You may have lost a life in this world, but you will see your son or daughter again. But that's only if the resurrection is indeed true. And because Christ resurrected from the dead, we know that truth is a sure hope for each person. That's why we care for the body, because it is actually eternal. It's part of the image of God that will be resurrected and restored one day. So our bodies will be transformed into eternal, glorious bodies. And Jesus tells us then about our final destination here in John 14. In chapter 13, John tells his disciples that I am leaving, and where I am going, you cannot come. And to the man who had left everything behind to follow Jesus, to hear he is leaving, and where he's going, you cannot come deeply, deeply troubled them. And his disciples are now distressed and anxious and confused by the words that Jesus said. And it's Jesus who, although he's going to the cross, looks at his disciples and says, let not your hearts be troubled. Troubled there means to cause great distress, to cause a riot, to throw into confusion. And the way that disciples overcome their trouble is to trust in God and to trust in Christ. And he gives them great words of comfort now. And he says, in my father's house are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. There is a place set for you that Christ is preparing. And he says, for we're not so, I would not have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you, and one day I will return and take you there myself. So the disciples can face an uncertain future knowing Jesus is preparing our heavenly home. And one day he's coming back for his own. You know, the rapture and the whole Christ returning for his church, uh, there's a great analogy in the Jewish wedding ceremony. First century Jewish wedding ceremony and even wedding ceremonies today follow a uh, ceremonial tradition that seems to be analogous to the events of the return of Christ. First, the father comes and meets 
the future in-laws, and pays for the price of the bride, known as the dowry. So the father comes and pays the price to receive the bride. Then the bride and groom share a cup of wine. And from that time on, they are considered married. Okay, they're betrothed and they are married. And the groom will look at his future wife and says, I'm coming soon. Be ready for my return. And so the betrothal period is about a one-year period. Okay, and that is the time that they are considered married. And the groom goes back to his father's home. And during that one year, he prepares a place for him and his bride. Takes about a year, right? And when the father feels that the groom has prepared a place and it is ready, he looks at his son and he says, son, go get your bride, right? And so the groom will come with his entourage and they will march to the town where the bride is. And usually this happens at night, all right? Because you don't want to do it while the town is crowded. Usually this happens at night, that he'll start marching towards the bride's house. And when they are within trumpet-blowing distance, the uh, shafar is blown, the trumpet is blown, and people shout, the groom is coming, and the bride and all of her bridesmaids have to be ready Right For that one year, she is packed and she is waiting for her groom, not knowing when he is coming. But her and all her bridesmaids have to be ready. The parable right, of the bridesmaids, half had their lamp with oil ready to go, half did not. Then the groom suddenly shows up at night. That's why Jesus told that parable the way he did. Right With the announcement and the blowing of the trumpet, the groom and his entourage come to the place of meeting, the bride and her bridesmaids have to be ready. And they also come and they meet there at the place of meeting. There they celebrate and have the wedding feast. Uh, and then the groom takes his bride home. That's an analogy of the events that occur as we get near the return of Christ. So our final application is this. Be ready. Be ready for his return. And how are we to be ready? Well, we're to be living holy lives. Second, we're to be diligent in studying his word, okay, that we may be faithful to his word, that we may know his word. Share the hope we have in Christ with others. You don't know when the return of Christ will be. And finally, we invest in the things that last for all eternity. Three things that will last for eternity. God, His Word, and the souls of men and women. Everything else eventually will fade away. Invest in the things that last for eternity. Have a mindset for eternity because Christ is coming. So may knowing the wonderful hope we have in Christ, knowing it's not just a wish, but it is a sure hope, may that empower you and I to live in greater ways for Christ this day and always. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, for the great hope we have that you are returning. And we pray, Lord, that many of us will be found faithful on that day, living holy, faithful to your word, sharing the great hope that we have in Christ, living 
for what truly matters for all eternity. Pray this for Mililani community and all who call upon the name of Christ. Then we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. Our goal is to bring you the love of Christ and His teaching as it relates to today's current events. If you would like to hold an apologetics conference or series of teachings at your facility, give Pat a call at 483-0586 or you may email him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to browse through our listing of topics on our site. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. You will also find articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. To keep quality broadcasts, like Pat's on the Air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. Donating is simple. Just log on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is grateful for one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to grow in your faith, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log in at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Wake up.